The Sports Gambling Podcast is presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast. Be it props, parlays, in-game wagering, MyBookie.ag has it all. And if you use the sign-up code SGP50, you'll receive a 50% deposit bonus. With MyBookie, you play, you win and you get paid. The Sports Gambling Podcast is also brought to you by Amazon. You probably already shop at Amazon, but why not shop at Amazon and support us here at the Sports Gambling Podcast for bringing you these shows for free. All you have to do to support us is log on to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Amazon, bookmark that link, and use it every time you shop at Amazon to support the podcast today. Let it ride. Hey guys, you are listening to a French Open tennis preview here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network on Twitter at the SGP Network. I am joined by the same person that joined me last time to cover the Australian Open. He rightfully tipped Novak Djokovic to win the Australian and wrongly went with uh, Osaka, having absolutely no chance of of being a woman who would retain, uh, oh, sorry, would win back-to-back Grand Slams, but. He still made money for us, so he's back on the show. It's tennis coach Darren Rogers. Hi, guys. Happy to be here. So we're going to start with the men's because we've been talking about the women's off-air for like 15 minutes and we can't get our head around it. It's, it's just women's tennis and where it's at right now. Um, the men's, we've got kind of a clearer idea, although we're split on the winners. Um, last year, Nadal and Halep won this tournament, both come into this tournament as favourites. And this year, Nadal is the nine, uh, it's already 11 to 10 favourite. Uh, Novak Djokovic is second favourite at three at three to one, and then after that it just gets really big, where everybody is over ten to one. Uh, I can break those down for you as we run through it, but at this moment in time, we're going to mainly talk about the top two. Um, my key point here is that Nadal has already won this eleven times. Um, it's his surface. He seems unbeatable on it. He's only had two defeats at the French Open in his entire career and has won 116 matches. Um, I don't know how you bet against him, but um, Darren's going to tell us because I think Darren's leaning towards Djokovic. Um, my, my feelings just being that um, Djokovic is really raising his game at the moment in the Grand Slams and there's no reason a confident Djokovic could overhaul a a tiring, um, slight, maybe slightly injury-prone Nadal. Um, don't get me wrong, Nadal is, is god of clay. Um, however, if anyone's going to beat him, it will be Novak, and maybe it might be Novak's time. And Novak 3-1 to one, over 11-10 to 10 for Nadal, which is still pretty good odds. Um, I, I personally would be looking for both guys to be in the semi-finals. I think you'd probably get a much better odds on that. Billy, what were the odds on that we've talked about earlier? Yeah, as we're breaking through the quarters, um, you can see that um, Nadal and Djokovic are, are heavy favourites to win their quarters, but not as heavy as, as they should be. Djokovic is 4-6, to six, so is minus 150 US price to, to win the first quarter. The next person down on that is Zverev at 5-1 to one and Fanini at 12-1. to one. Zverev struggles in Grand Slams anyway, and if he's the nearest opposition to Djokovic, I'm not seeing 
any problem with, with Djokovic winning Q1 and getting through to the semis. We go down to Q4 and look at Nadal's draw. They've got Nishikori as the strongest opposition to him at 11 to 1, whereas Nadal is a 1 to 3, minus 300 US price to, to win that quarter. And then you go all the way down to Songa at 25 to 1. So it does look like a relatively straightforward route where. I'd be looking to get Nadal Djokovic at about one to three and Nadal at around about one to seven. For once, we're getting some generosity from, from the bookies here and you're getting four to six or one to three. You parlay those two things together for, for 200 pounds and you're looking at a 445 pound return. Looking at the other quarters, they're much tighter where you have Tipiapas, um, if we're saying that right, to win Q3 at three to one. It's the same price as Federer. Um, I'm no way taking Federer in on clay against Tipiapas um, so Federer's really not a good price there Borinka's the next one down at 9-1 to uh, Team is available at 5-4 in Q2 he's a favourite then we go down to Depotro at 11-2 and Monfils at 10-1 to and saying that as a single bet I like Team as well uh, do you like anything in Q2 and Q3? Yeah I like Team Team's my dark horse I think Team again another player on his day can, can upset and Clay's pretty much his favourite surface so there's no reason why you know, it's one of these tournaments that he's got to step out the shadow of the other two, and maybe this could be the one he does it in. Yeah, that's also going. I was going to talk to you about that. Like, like this breakthrough from Team and Zerev hasn't happened. It is predominantly still the top three. Are these are these the two that are going to de- depose these top three, or is or is it just getting too late for them now? Because it's just year in year out. It's meant to happen, and obviously you just pointed out Tipiapas as well. He's the new one that's joined the scene. But before last year, it was Team Zerev, Team Zerev. They're going to be the one and two, but hasn't materialised yet. These these big three are hanging on. No, it just seems it just seems focusing in the Grand Slams five sets. It's um, it definitely seems to be an issue. Um, probably more with Zerev than anybody else, who's, who's, who's so talented, yet doesn't seem to be able to get the results that he should be getting by now. Um, I mean, Team's my journeyman at the moment are the ones coming through. I do think he has got the game and he's got the mentality. Um, and I think more than anything else, they've just got to believe that they can actually beat these, the, the top three, if you like. Now Murray's gone and, and keep beating them. It's not just beating them once, but it's beating them regularly. Um, but... It'd be interesting. This this could be the year. I mean, I, I, Djokovic. If Djokovic plays like he can play and has been playing, then it's very difficult to write him off. And you know, and, and, and although I'm writing off Federer for the French, it's, it's, it, I just don't see him winning that. Um, but however, it'd be. Um, it, I think it's going to be a really good tournament. But a team is definitely my dark horse. I mean, uh, I think he's seven to one. So seven to one here is the best price at nine to one on odds checker if you shop around. This is what we were talking about earlier. So the gap really tails off. Nadal's best price eleven to ten. Djokovic's best price three to one. Teams nine to one. Then you get Tipiapas at twenty-two to one. Zverev at twenty-eight to one. Federer at twenty-eight to one. Del Potro at forty to one. And Nishikori at sixty-six to one. It really it, the market is so different to the women's where it starts as a four to one favourite and then just tails off into sort of that eight to one, ten to one region and there's a lot of people clustered in this doesn't have that clustering this has two that's because Nadal's won it 11 times yeah it has a one clear favourite it has a very clear second favourite who has a a win-loss advantage over over Nadal and obviously destroyed him in the Australian Open and 
has also won on clay this season. But there's there's a theory here there's, as I've looked through it, um, and it's come through a quote from Tippi Appas who said that Nadal is a completely different player uh, on two different types of clay court surfaces. So you're a tennis coach, um, so I'm going to ask you about the medium pace clay and the slow pace clay because the medium pace clay and the slow pace clay are two different things. It's the medium pace is what we have in Madrid, slow pace is what we have in Rome, and that's what we're going to have at the French. And the slow pace is the slow pace is where we saw Nadal beat Djokovic two sets to one, but two of those sets were six love and six one in Madrid. So that's a nine game margin. So essentially, you could argue even though it's two one, he's just destroyed Djokovic a few weeks ago. Okay. So, I, think, I think the French has always been set up as a slow, as a slow court. Um, I mean, years ago, I always remember when McEnroe, I mean, he made semis and uh, he got beat and, and they found that when they looked at the, the the clay surface itself, it was almost double the amount of um, clay that was put down to make sure that he couldn't hit through the ball. Um, and I think it's a similar thing here. Nadal, with it, because of the way he hits his topspin, although it's slow, it grips. And because it grips, and the amount of topspin does, he gets so much height on that kick. And if he's playing any of the guys that have got you know, balls that are above their sort of comfort zone, sort of above their shoulder, that's where they really struggle because they've got to take it so early and yet hit good length. And if they don't hit that length, then he's going to belt you a second time. And the only person around that I know that, that actually can cope with that is, is Djokovic. So, um, yeah, it is. it has always been not necessarily set up for him, but he, the way he plays... He is the master of that surface um, because of the fact he can get so much top spin through um, the height over the net and obviously the racket speed. But do you think these defeats are almost adding to the price? Because when I took, when I've taken Nadal in previously, is we've had tournaments where he's been a, a one to three favourite, um, a one to two favourite, and this year is one of the first years you're getting him at odds against anywhere at all. Now, obviously he's had defeats this year. We spoke about it before, but. I don't think the, the bookies are really looking at this medium, slow-paced um, clay theory that, that Tippi Appas has put out there. I've, I've researched this and, and beyond probably what the bookies have bothered to do, whereas they're kind of looking at results. Uh, is, there t- is there much to this, or is this just some guy, um, come, some youngster coming out of a comment, or is there some validity to this at all? It might be. The bottom line is that the, the best player in the world likes that surface. So Nadal loves playing on that surface and, and, and it suits him. So maybe the other guys, if they whinge and moan about it enough, maybe think they can get that changed. Um, it's happened in, in other sports, in, 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 other, in other fields, so potentially why not? I just think they'd probably feel it's much more of a clear advantage for Rafa to play on that surface, especially um, with, with himself, with one handy backhand, who probably doesn't want the ball above shoulder height. And you notice how Nadal has destroyed Federer over the years on the clay. Um, by basically just pick, bullying his backhand, bullying him and getting it up high. What, what, what's just on the subject, Federer? What, what's made him play this tournament this year? Because normally he, he's giving it a miss. And I think it's because it's the last year. Right. Um, closing out on the men, um, I, I'm going to stick with N- Nadal. Um, I've, I've, I've found a stat here. There's this three-year clay data, which actually includes Madrid, which we're trying to sort of push to one side here as, as being a different type of clay. Uh, he's still running at 116.1%, uh, which, which when you combine it is 68.3% service points won, 47.8 returns won. And um, it's clear that it's incredibly difficult to beat Nadal. These numbers are way above anyone else's. I think it's around about, I haven't got it in front of me now, I think that's 8% more than Djokovic, which is significant, um, in my opinion. Significant enough for me to still stay on Nadal. So that's my argument for him. I'm going to be going for him. Um, 
Always a Rafa fan and always normally bet Rafa. I'm going to go with Novak purely, I think, also on the back of the fact that um, he's now smelling the opportunity to, to, to get more Grand Slams than Federer. And this would be a fantastic achievement to get towards there. And why not? If he, if he really plays how he can play, then there's only one person that can challenge Rafa on this surface. Um, and, um, and, and Rafa can be a little bit injury prone. If you noticed the one last year after he won the French, he pretty much pulled out Wimbledon, if I remember rightly. Yeah, I mean, where we are on, as we move off this, where we're officially on the same pages is that we're both expecting um, the £200 lock play to come in, where we both see Djokovic and Nadal playing out in the semi-finals. We're, we're in agreement of that. So that's £200 to win 4-4-5. Uh, is both our dark horse, and um, we both feel that the team's going to come through in that quarter. In fact, would it would surprise you to see the, the four quarter favourites playing, Tipiapas versus Nadal and and uh, team versus Djokovic? It wouldn't surprise me at all, to be honest. No, same here. Okay. Um, moving, on to, moving on to the women's and... Um, yeah, it's, it's the same as it always was as we approach the French. We haven't got a strong favourites in the women's side of the draw. We've got Halep um, out as a 4-1 favourite, mainly because she won last year. Uh, Kiki Burton's at 8-1. Uh, Pliskova at 14 to 1, Osaka to go three in a row at 14 to 1, Serena 14 to 1, Kit Kitova 16 to 1, Sloane Stevens 16 to 1, Barty 22 to 1, uh, Slipping over, Slipping over 22 to 1, Keys 28 to 1, and Muguruza 28 to 1. You can just go all the way down because there are names there, even down to Wozniacki at 40 to 1, but just it's just a minefield. Like it wouldn't surprise you anybody wins this in the top 20 names that's yeah, just how in the past you've had some real random people win this so um, but I think if I'm going to stick my neck out just because she's won it and on the back of her not um, not re retaining uh, on Osaka sort of making sure that she won't win the second one again I just got a funny feeling that Hallett might be able to do it she's been there seen it she's gone through the emotions of winning it and that's a huge thing for her in the women's game to have that experience and control over your emotions and be in that environment why not you know, she's she proven she can do it. She might be able to do it again. Um, I, it's, again, the rest of it's just a lottery. It's just, it's, it, who do you pick? I don't think that um, Magrafa or Osaka is particularly fit at the moment. Um, so that probably would would rule them out. See, Muguruza's got a retirement in Rome here, um, where she where she actually retired. Osaka's got two walkovers. Now, the walkovers almost say to me that. I'm thinking about the French Open as opposed to actually retiring in games. Do you think there's any validity to that in terms of I'm not playing this shit, I've got a bigger fish to fry. I'm going for three in a row, essentially. Yeah, you would do, wouldn't you? That, that, that's where your standard is. You're number one in the world. Um, why not? Why not? You have got that opportunity now to almost pick and choose a little bit. And at the end of the day, the Grand Slams are the pinnacle of the tournament calendar. So Yeah, the retirement worries me more with Muguruza in terms of the walkovers um, that Osaka's given away in the last three tournaments. Looking at the stats here, um, Halep hasn't won on clay um, this season, but she's running at 110% points run, uh, combined points, that's serving and receiving, which is way ahead of the rest of the field. Um, so that's why she's a rightful favourite. So why why you've picked as well. The thing there's, is, there's is always going to be breaks to serve on clay. It's because it's not, as much as in the women's game, you know, you're probably going to have two breaks to serve per set as a general. But the serve is just so undominant. But the return is so important. So you've got to be looking at who's returning well. I think that's a real pivotal thing you need to look at. Um, and who's getting the most break points opportunities and also break points um, conversions. 
Well, but the Burtons is up there as the second favourite, and this is this is coming off the back of um, beating Halop in Rome again, the similar surface to this. And um, she's eight to one to win this tournament, but won that particular game uh, as a three to one underdog and, and beat Halop in Rome. You hold any water on that, or is just just no, anyone can beat a great player. This is really good. Again, it's just could, could she do it? It's, it's just it's okay doing it in a WTA event. Of course, it is. It's important. But then you start looking at a, a grand slam, and that's where the pressure really kicks in. So I'm not only going to raise it on say Halep, it's just because she's done there. Uh, one player we picked out who's way, way down the list at 80 to 1 is a French player, Maldonovic, who is now being coached by Naomi Osaka's coach. And since then, has had a complete turnaround in her career, uh, has had a really good clay court season, is winning 108% of her points. Um, she's This includes an incredible 52%, 52.6% of points on return. And she's breaking opponents more than half of the time during the clay court season. I know that breaks don't mean as much in the women's game. And especially don't mean as much in the French but this has to be an outside bet that people are looking at in fact most places people have kind of been aware of this and are backing it down to 66 to 1 again it's not a massive move I'd be happy to take someone at 66 to 1 who's winning most of her receiving games um, is that worth a shout? Yeah, no, why not? definitely is, is anyone else you picked out in this in this whole in this whole draw that we haven't touched on? Because no, no. Again, it's just you could just go through that and go through it and go through it and go through it. You know, where do you stop? Um, I'm just going to go with the people who got the experience. Well, as obviously most of our most of the listeners are American, is there anything to say about Serena? Because Serena's I've never seen her so big in a tournament before um, at 14 to one. Is there any value there? Um, I think the only thing with Serena and Serena on clay is, especially during her later years now, she's not as good a move as she used to be, and it's a tough surface um, to change direction, um, whereas on the, on the grass it's a little bit true where she's going to be moving, I don't, unless it rains, but you know she, she moves very, very well on the grass. Um, but it's a tough surface, it's a really tough surface, and if I'm being honest, it's probably a young person's surface. So I would rule her out. She wouldn't be. She wouldn't be in my top four. Um, if you have to pre-push, we're not making official picks on this. We find the women's game very difficult. We may get a better feel for this during the tournament. Um, of course. Uh, I'll be making picks on this tournament over on my website, on my official website, lockbetting.com. So if you want to upgrade to a package there, I'll be making picks on the French Open throughout. Um, the lock for the men's side is an official play, that £200 play on Nadal and Djokovic to win their quarters. There's no official play here, but we're both going to make a lean towards the winner. Who are you liking? Um, I'm going Hannah. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go for Kiki Burton's um, on, the, on the premise that this is a surface that I think requires consistency and I think that if Burton's could go out there and, and beat Halep I, I think there's a chance that she could do it again so that's it from us that's it from me that's it from Darren as I said official plays will be over at lockbetting.com in the next couple of days I will be releasing a soccer podcast covering the Europa League final and the Champions League final while I've got you here do you want to say something about the Europa League final because Darren's an Arsenal fan so I've just Bought this on him on the spot. I've just landed him on the spot to, to talk about that. I, I, I'm 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 a big Arsenal fan, and um, recently was asked, would I would I Arsenal to win Europa League and Tottenham to win the Champions League, or Arsenal to lose the Europa League and Tottenham to lose the Champions League? And my thoughts are on that. To be perfectly honest, I'd have Arsenal to lose Europa League. 
really. You don't. You want Tottenham to not win that badly. Yeah. Well, this the theme of this podcast. One of the themes of this podcast this whole year has been the hatred towards Liverpool. So, I'm the complete opposite of that as well. Um, I, I would like to see. Arsenal and Tottenham win uh, over Chelsea and Liverpool. Liverpool, I don't really care too much about the Europa League final as long as um, as long as Liverpool don't win it. Um, yeah, so that's it from us. As I said, uh, official picks over at LockBetting.com. There will be a soccer podcast next week covering both the finals. Good luck with your bets as always, and thanks for listening, guys. 